0: Uh, you want know that one? Yep, 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 All right. You guys looking good. All right. First off, I love, Jeff, everything that you just said. If I got to add on to that, Psalm 62.1, David cries out, my soul finds rest in God alone. In God alone. Now, I say that as a church that is always filled with angsty college students who are all just excited about, what am I going to do vocationally? What am I going to accomplish in my life and my gifts? And I want to be expressive to the world. And, And I'm always like, just simmer down. Your soul finds rest not in your giftings, not in your vocation, not in your platforms. In fact, actually, once you log a few of those and realize they don't fulfill you, you know, it's going to start changing something in you. You're, start, you're going to all of a sudden be like, oh, that's right. My soul finds rest in God alone. How did I, why did I think that that opportunity or that income level or that platform or that th- whatever was going to fulfill me? Well, okay, so I, you have to establish that. I don't ever, 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 if I have jealousy in my heart towards anyone that is a sign that there 's something wrong there 's idolatry in our hearts, and that we haven 't understood psalm sixty two one that means there 's unsanctified ambition that is snuck into our dreams okay so you have to you have to deal with that kind of stuff before you even talk about your vocation, your mission, otherwise your mission will always be toxic okay so That's really what I was trying to say yesterday is let God purify your motives. Let him become your all in all. Let him be the place where your soul finds rest. And then suddenly spouse, vocation, all these things will find their proper place in your life and won't be idols. Okay? Does that make sense, everybody? Okay, now, but once we get beyond that, like when we start dreaming, when we start discerning vocation, all these types of things, how do we think about this stuff in a way that actually makes sense and that will actually fast forward us to that? Now, one of the things that I'm always telling our college students at Substance is that you're, you a calling is built of two things, an internal calling and an external calling. And I wanna define this for you, you note takers, write this down because every destiny, the, the mission that God has for us requires both an internal and an external call. Now, what do I mean by that, okay? An internal call is what you feel you are called to do, right? I think I am called to full-time ministry or I think I am called to be a ballerina or a doctor or a teacher or a mother. And, and, and it's, what, it's this internal calling, okay? Your external call, is what other people say you are called to do okay? In other words, people come up to you and they say, I think you would be a great writer. I think you would make a great counselor. I just want to confess my sin to you every day. I think you might be a great pastor. I think, you know, again, you're, you're It's it comes from the outside, and you know you're hot on the trail of God's calling when your internal call matches up with your external call, okay? Now, we've all seen the mismatch, right? You're the, you know, 900-pound ballerina. wondering why people don't want to acknowledge your gift, right? And, and you're like, but I have a gift. Why won't people see it? You know what I mean? We get mad at the world because we're, we're, our internal call is not matching up with our external call, okay? So now a lot of Christians get the idea that all they need is an internal call, and that's it. Well the Lord spoke to me one time when I was in worship I was I was at the altar when 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 the worship band was going and the Lord just said you are the next Taylor Swift Until the world, I just don't understand why the world can't see that. The Lord called me, okay? Listen, a calling, there's nothing more pitiful than someone who's mad at the world for not giving them the resources, the platforms that they think they deserve, okay? So, a calling means people from the outside of you are literally begging you, throwing money at you to do what you're supposed to do. So, resources should never be a problem, when you're in that place, okay, your fruitfulness, okay? And I just let me let me say it this way. Like for example, I didn't even want to go into ministry. Um, I was talked into it, okay? Uh, Like yesterday, I shared that the Lord told me to lead a Bible study and volunteer in a church. A pastor saw my fruitfulness and kept begging me, hey, Peter, you've got to consider that you might have a call to ministry. At that time in my life, I had completely shut that off because I thought, you know, I was a music producer. Music was what I was called to do. And all my affirmation up to that point had been there. And this pastor was like, no, I think you got more in you. And and, uh, it was almost like I kept getting sucked into the next, level against my will. And here's what was going on. Proverbs 18:16 says, a gift opens the way for a giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. If you've got a gift, it will open doors for you. You don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to whine about it. You don't even have to pray about it, okay? You just have to worry about your character so that when God does open that door, you have the character and the integrity to sustain the weight of that opportunity, right? So so if you have a call. Calling for something, it'll create room for you. It'll open doors. It'll call out for you. Your true skills will pay the bills, is is what I like to say. Now there are two people you cannot accept an external call from, two people you cannot trust your external call from. Okay, here's the first one is close friends and family. Okay, if your mama calls you beautiful, it don't make you a supermodel okay? Because your mama loves you. You're pretty no matter what, okay? To mama. And you're like, not my mom. Uh, but I, I just, okay, you get the idea. When people are really close to you, they're, they're kind of like, they're, they're, they're sometimes, they're they're just, they're trying to live symbiotically with you. And sometimes if they don't feel like you're capable of handling the truth, they won't tell you that, okay? So, uh, uh, uns- the other group is unspecialized people, okay? Uh, let me give you an example. So, like, I, I used to So I play a million instruments. I was nine-year private lessons with cello, uh, like eight years on piano and guitar. And uh, I remember one time I was playing on a worship band. I was the electric guitarist. And a guy came up to me and was like, wow, that was some great guitar playing. And of course, it could not have been worse. I knew that. I was playing the dumbest song ever that, had, that required zero skill. Anybody who had played gu- guitar for a month could play what I played. And yet this guy was affirming me. And I realized in that moment, he's not giving me an external call. He is an encourager. He just wanted to encourage me. That was it. He wasn't telling me, you will go before the masses. Okay? He was just telling me, hey, I was glad you, you did what you did. Okay? Encouragers. Now, you, my point is, is he was not an expert. If I wanted to find out if I was a world-class guitarist, I need to get around a world-class guitarist who does it all the time and gets paid really well to do it, and he can tell me if I have the skills to pay the bills at that level. You see what I'm saying, okay? Place yourself around experts, and don't go to the mediocre ones who affirm you and tell you what you want to hear. Go to the ones who will actually uh, be really, really blunt, will be really, really honest, will break it down for you and help you think straight. Now, to take it one more higher level, okay, I want to I wanna throw a little chart up on the screen called the Icky Guy and uh, it's a Japanese word that means life worth, okay, the ikigai, and, and it's a four-circled Venn diagram that will basically ask four questions. What do you love? What are you good at? What can you be paid for, and what does the world need, okay? And when you answer these four questions and and live in the convergence of those four questions, it's called your ikigai, your purpose. Now, to to remember it, I always think of like a teenage girl, like, ew, he's such an ikigai. Okay, so... Um, Uh, anyway, take that for what it's worth. I I don't think that your life worth actually comes from anything in this diagram. I think your life worth comes from Christ, okay? Because if you're a Christian, your value doesn't come from your behavior but who lives in you, okay? I still love the diagram, though, because I think it's helpful in, in helping us identify these four areas. Now, the, the important thing about these four areas is you also need an external call in all four of these areas. It's not enough to just say, oh, what I think I'm good at, what I think I'm passionate about. Because a lot of times we lie to ourselves because we've conditioned our self-esteem to be dependent upon things that are not in fact true. And it's hard to see that sometimes, okay? Here's the brilliance is that if you get off-centered in any of these four questions, it results in the four classic frustrations. If you're always lacking money, if you're always lacking stability, significance, and opportunity, then you probably haven't accurately discerned it, or you have, but you haven't lived in the center long enough. You just need to log another five, 10 years. Does that make sense? Okay, now, this diagram is all over the internet, I-K-I-G-A-I, I-K-I-G-A-I, Ikigai. Now, here's, here's what's unique about this season of your life that is unlike any other season, okay? Most college students spend 99% of their time with other college students. Okay, now, that it's fun because it's fun to kind of, you know, especially be around a lot of Christians your age, and, uh, but, but the, the flip side, so you're eating with other students, you're living with other students, you're studying with other students, and, and having a church filled with 20-somethings, do you want to know what one of their biggest regrets that I hear once they hit 30 is? It's almost all the time, it's, man, I wish I would have surrounded myself with more people who were a season of life ahead of me. Why? Because they're thinking differently about the icky guy. They're thinking differently about calling. They're thinking differently about success than, than your peers are. Okay. And, and I this is why I always tell, especially people that come to Christian schools, you still want to be plugged into a local church, even though you get chapel every day, because church is not about you getting another sermon. It's literally about you getting more mentors who are a season of life ahead of you. Does that make sense? Okay, because coming back to the icky guy, if every one of us has the tendency to get off-centered, to move towards one thing to the exclusion of others—just my passions versus my gift, or what the world needs, but not what I actually can bring to the world—and and so the whole idea behind godly mentors—it's to—it's like it's like centering clay on a potter's wheel. It's way harder than it looks, but it requires massive pressure and friction. And if you don't have a bunch of people in your life giving you massive pressure and friction, chances are you're just going to be a really, really weird-shaped pot. Not a whole lot of function there. And I think I, the world is filled with really weird Christians who have a strange and maybe undiscerned sense of calling. And so I, I just, you know, as, as one, one last example of this, I, I remember there was this guy, I read about this in a newspaper, a guy who was collecting religious art. And he wasn't wealthy, and, and the art that he collected wasn't very prestigious, but whenever he'd see something cool, he'd purchase it. And of course, one time he happened to have a party, and one of the guests at his party happened to be the curator for the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is probably, if you don't know, it's like the second largest museum in the world. Um, and so this, this art collector is showing this curator all of his unimpressive art, okay? And you're not going to impress that curator, right, because he's around works of art that are all like in the five, 10 million range. But he was showing all the knickknacks that he had acquired over the years to this curator. And and suddenly the curator sits down on this guy's couch. And he took interest in this little paperweight that he had sitting on the coffee table. And the curator asked the guy, he's like, where did you get this little, this thing? And he goes, oh, that old thing? He goes, actually, yeah, a a priest gave it to me. And I, I think he paid 50 bucks for it at like a garage sale. And and I thought it made a great paperweight on my coffee table. And uh, he's like, wow, you know, uh, would you mind if I took a look at it and took it into my laboratory and had some of my my analysts look at it? And the guy was like, why? He goes, well, I think it might be a little older than you think it is. And he's like, go ahead, go ahead, check it out. Well, it turned out that what this guy had on his coffee table was a piece created by Donatello, uh, the teacher of Michelangelo who painted the Sistine Chapel, okay? And this guy was using literally a $5 million work of art as a paperweight, okay? Now, the moral is, if it wasn't for that curator, that treasure never would have been unearthed, He never would have even seen its value, and he could have gone to his grave not ever really discovering one of the bigger treasures in his life, and I think the same thing is true with your calling, okay? I got talked into ministry. I did not see a teaching gift. I saw a paperweight. In fact, actually, when I was in college, I was awkward from the pulpit. In fact, actually, I had a guy tell me, don't talk whenever you get up to lead worship because it's just really weird and abstract and overly poetic, and nobody can follow you. You know what I'm saying? But but I, I didn't see a teaching gift. I saw a paperweight and thank God I happened to be around a mentor who saw something in my life that I did not see and put the friction on my life until I could discover what was the real treasure in my life. And, and so, like, and, and at that time, I, I was blessed enough to have a mentor who just kind of took me under his wing and started mentoring me. But now I realized I actually have to be intentional about my mentors, in fact, I even have a mentoring budget where I will make sure that I am surrounding myself with the right people. And here's how you know, you have, here's how to figure out your mentors, okay? Just three little questions I ask myself. I probably do this every six months, and it's this. What are my dreams? Who is living out my dream? And what am I doing to earn the right to be around them? what are my dreams? Who's living out my dream? What am I doing to earn the right to be around them? Or say it another way, what are my problems? Who has successfully navigated my problems? What am I doing to earn the right to get around them? Now, like, again, what do you want to be better at? Bible reading? What do you think you might be called in? Okay, identify that. Who's living out your dream? Like specialized person who's paid very, very well and is highly successful in the thing that you are dreaming about, okay? You have to surround yourself, but the most important question is, what are you doing to earn the right to get around those people? You are not entitled to mentors. You are not entitled to mentors. You have to earn it. In fact, the best mentors are too busy to mentor. Let me say that. Again, the best mentors will always be too busy to mentor. If a person's got all the time in the world, that's not good stewardship. There's a reason why they have all the time in the world, okay? So, like, I'm telling you the most successful people that you need to get an external call from are too busy to even help you. And so how do you gain access to those people? You serve them. You serve them. I'll never forget, I had a young man come up to me and uh I, I I pretty much only spend time mentoring lead pastors as as like So, like, I'll, like, even this weekend, I'll be in Houston, then the next week I'll be in Liverpool, London, then the next week I'll be in Germany, and almost entirely I spend it with lead pastors and my staff, okay? So, when a person asks me to mentor them, I usually tell them, hey, if you want to be mentored by me, be mentored by my staff, okay? Now, this guy came up to me, and he goes, would you please mentor me, please? He was a college student, and uh, I, I told him, I'm like bro, I really, really love you. I would lo- I, if I mentored you, I wouldn't have time for my family and my staff and the other people I mentor. And I could tell it was like, it was like not what he wanted to hear. He kind of went away dejected, like, ah. and And so then I, so then all of a sudden, a month later, he comes up to me and he's like, Pastor Peter, this is gonna sound strange, but I felt like the Lord said, go up to Pastor and offer to mow his lawn for free all summer. And so I, like, no pressure, but if you would like to uh, a free lawn mower, I would love to do it for you. And at first I was like, huh, what's the catch? You're like, what do you mean? He goes, you don't have to talk to me, you don't have to do anything, just literally I'll show up, mow the lawn, and sneak away. And I'm like, are you gonna do a good job? And he goes, I promise, I promise it'll be great. So sure enough, he did that. And of course, every week I would look out my window and there he would be mowing my lawn and, and, you know, of course it was hot. And so I'm like, ah, heck, Hey, Hey bro, come on into the house. Like, you know, I gave him access to my refrigerator and, and then, you know, like he'd get whatever, a a drink of water. And then after a while he'd be like, Hey, Pastor Peter, of all the ministries that substance I should serve in, which one would you say I should go for? And then I'd be like, why don't you do this? And then he'd be like, thank you, I'll see you next week. And then he'd walk off. And then uh, the next week, he'd get another soda, and he'd ask me another question. Hey, pastor, I have these two job opportunities between these two good ideas. What's, what do you think is the God idea? And I'd be like, well, I think that. And then he'd say, thank you, thank you. Okay, listen, by the end of the summer, that dude got more of my time than half my pastoral staff. He like tricked me into mentoring him. And I thought that was brilliant, like I learned about how to get mentored from that guy, you know what I mean, and so then I immediately was like, "Well, I need to apply that strategy again, what are my dreams? who's living out my dreams? What am I doing to earn the right to get around them And so I started working that with so many people i even and I still do this okay as one as if I could end with like this okay even recently so we we started a, a record label and um couple of years ago, I, I went back into producing electronic dance music had a lot of success with it um, mainstream electronic dance music progressive house and i I knew there was all this opportunity to do it so we we started our own record label we're getting ready to actually have a band tour all over the United States and all over we 're actually setting up a global tour and i i 'm new to this okay i 've never done all the, the you know venues all over the place and it 's complex and so I thought well who 's living out my dream I thought elevation has been really good at this recently and so I'm going to call up Stephen Furtick and and just try to get around him. And if I can't get around him, then, you know, like, I I don't care if it's his assistant, assistant's assistant's assistant who, you know, who you know, I don't care. I'm just going to, like, whatever I got to do to earn the right. And so, sure enough, you know, I did that. And eventually, you know, Stephen eventually said, hey, fly down. You can spend a day. And then I'm like, well, what can I do to serve? Take stuff off your plate. And he said, well, I want you to host this person. I want you to drag these people to my next round table. Done and then I uh, was there and I'm like, what else can I take off your plate? Well, do you think you could um, actually host Elevation Rhythm at your downtown campus and do an event? And I'm like, done. And then it was like eventually, listen, what was crazy about it was at serving eventually I got access to the people that I really needed access was, was not even Steven, it was like I needed access to his like YouTube analyst guy, you know, like the nerdy guys that understand all these types of things and and all of a sudden I got access that I didn't, that that, that that I wouldn't have gotten had I not been a servant. Now, listen, I'm not going to say that everybody just throws their doors wide open to you, but I do believe that you reap what you sow. And even the people that I have sowed into where where maybe I didn't even get the access, guess what? God always opened the door for me. Why? Because I reap what I sow. I give access to other people. I share my resources with other people. And that goes right back to yesterday. A generous person prospers, right? Or Cornelius life. And so I'm I'm saying this because I just, I believe that every last one of you can, can, God wants to unlock it. But he's never going to unlock it for you until you really give your life to some other mentors that are able to do it at the proper time. Because actually, it, your, your life is an arrow in the hands of a mighty warrior. That's how the Bible describes us as kids. Well, you, you want to get into the hands of a warrior who messes with you, who straightens you, who, who, who ruffles your feathers, not the one that tells you everything that you want to hear at all the right times. Does that make sense? And I I really believe that the Lord is going to speak to you about some changes. And so I just want to end with this. Close your eyes. And I want you just to really be, just think about the the people that God has placed in your life. And and just maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, gosh, I don't even know if I have any mentors who are a season of life ahead. Again. There's going to be role models. You're going to have mentors. You're going to have peers. You're going to have paid consultants. There's a million ways to get it. But right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is just bringing people to your mind, and He's going to say, I want you just to earn the right to get around that person. And, and just let the Lord give you a servanthood strategy. And I, I just believe that, 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 that all of a sudden, keys are going to be given to you. I'm sharing this to you because the Lord prophetically spoke to me that some of you the Lord is calling you to unlock a door that you do not possess the key to. And that he is saying to you, this year is the year you earn the right and that key will be given to you at the proper time. And the Lord says to you today that if you would simply be faithful to serve, that whole key chain is gonna be given to you. There's gonna be more than one key and it's gonna unlock doors at all the proper times. But... You've got to do first things first. Get your heart right. Get rid of all entitlement. Get your heart into a servant posture and allow God's timeline for your life and your dreams to unfold, not yours. Your soul finds rest in God alone. And so, Heavenly Father, I just thank you We don't have to worry about promotion. We only have to worry about promotability. We don't have to worry about money or spouses. We just have to worry about having the character worthy of the spouse that you bring at the proper time. God, we don't have to worry about getting jealous because you are the God who provides all we need, and you are gonna provide it right here and right now as we learn to surrender to you. And we love you, thank you, and praise you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.